Well, I'm glad that we're uh, small in number today. I told you last week that there wouldn't be very many people here today. So this is good. When you came in today, you got uh, a bulletin, and you're going to absolutely just have to have the insert in the bulletin. So take out the insert right now, and let me explain to you what we're doing. Okay, this is going to be completely different from anything else I've done here in the last few uh, weeks or months, so uh, get ready for this, all right? Uh, We are in the book of Revelation. This is our second shot in the book of Revelation. We looked at chapter 1, the first eight verses last week, and basically we came to the conclusion that this is not a book about judgment. This is not a book about the end of the world. This is a book about the revealing, a revelation, a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who Christ really is. Now today we have the second assignment, which is this long list of verses. Uh, Leave that on, so don't turn those verses off for a while. Now, most of you know that this is, uh, you know, I'm the visiting pastor and uh, I get the assignment. And this is what I was assigned. Okay? Now, I have at least a dozen uh, Revelation commentaries at home. I uh, have taught the book of Revelation numerous times at numerous different places, and never have I ever seen the idea that you could look at chapter 2 and chapter 3 just with these verses. So I was quite challenged when I saw this. And I thought, well, what is it that we're supposed to get out of this? Somebody put these together and said, hey, look at these. So, I have uh, listed all of the verses. If you'll take that first page, which is our outline, open it up, you'll see that we have these verses all written down for you, nice and comfortably in this little folder. And I'm going to read the verses to you, but this is not the whole thing. This is just one verse out of each one of these places that John writes the Revelation to. So open this up, and I want you to read the first one. I'm going to read it to you. It says, this is the first group that John writes to. It's to people who live in the city of Ephesus, and we'll look at that later. And this is what he says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, and in parentheses, overcomes... I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, there's a whole lot more that is said to the church at Ephesus. Everybody understand that? This is just one verse out of what is said to the church. But out of this one verse comes a couple of things that we ought to note. Some things are repeated for every single one of these church groups. The two things that are repeated is he who has an ear and to the one who overcomes. And then the third thing that we're to note is that something is given. In this case, it's to eat of the tree of life. And underneath that, I try to put a reference somewhere in the Bible to what that tree of life might be. That's for later. Okay, let's look at the second verse that we're given. Revelation chapter 2, verse 11, this goes to the church at Smyrna. Is everybody with me? You all got this? Hear what it says to the church at Smyrna. He who has an ear, said it again, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, to the one who conquers, 
or overcomes, he will not be hurt by the second death. Okay? Now we can go to the third church, the group called Pergamum. That's another place. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers or overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Okay, let's go to the fourth group. Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, the group at Thyatira. The one who conquers or overcomes, and let me say that is also says in the following verse, he that has an ear, let him hear. They all say the same two things. He who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. In verse 27, he will rule with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. And verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. We get the fifth verse, the church at the city of Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Again, he that has an ear, let him hear. It's not written here, but it's in the passage. The one who conquers or overcomes will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And listed on your paper here are the things that are going to be given. The white garments, the book of life, confess name before the father. Sixth group, the church at Philadelphia, chapter 3, verse 12, on the last page. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. The one who conquers or overcomes... I will make him a pillar, a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. And then finally, the seventh group in Laodicea, chapter 3, verse 21, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says, to the one that conquers or overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Now you got the passages. So what are we going to do with that? Okay, that's it. I'm done. You can figure it out. All right. Okay, so let's take a look again at these churches. We've seen these churches before. They uh, represent uh, cities uh, of a little circle, and these are the same churches that John addresses in chapter 1. These are the same churches that John addressed in 1 John when we went through the, the little letter of 1 John. Now the question is, what is John's relationship to these seven churches? And nobody knows for sure because John doesn't tell us. Some people are convinced that John is the itinerant pastor to these seven churches. He probably lives in Ephesus, and he is able to visit these seven churches. So the things that he writes about them in chapters 2 and 3, he's personally familiar with. 
and he says, this is what I think about what's going on in your local church, and this is how God deal, wants to deal with this. Everybody understand that? This would be his personal letter to each one of these seven churches in his day. That's how some people interpret this. That's not how everyone interprets this. Many people say this is not really about these seven churches. This is about the whole history of the church that is in the future. This is what the church is going to go through in the next thousands of years. And only come to this conclusion by looking backwards. We see the church at Ephesus, what it was like, and then history says this church became like this, the church became like this, the church became like this, and finally in the last days, the church is like the church in Laodicea. Okay, That is the way some people view this message to these seven churches. You with me? You got your choice. Either it's to the churches right there that day, or it's a picture of church history in the future, or this is something else. Now, I got to tell you that in all the commentaries I have read, no one has ever said it is something else. So I get to do that this morning. I mean, who's going to stop me, you know? I got another whole picture for you here. I'm not sure that anybody agrees with this, except maybe the person who gave the assignment that these are the verses you ought to look at. But looking at these verses, I've come to some conclusions that this has to do with something else, something very personal to each one of us. Far more important than seeing what's going to happen historically, far more important than seeing what was happening even in that day. This is something to each of us and to a multitude of others. Now, this is going to come with some homework, so we'll get to that later. I want to call this, listen, I want to call this, this is a passage in chapter 2 and 3 about the gifts that the Lord God Almighty has to give to God's people. This is a passage about some fantastic gifts. Now, most of us like gifts, so I thought I'd get us in the mood for gift-giving we're nearing up to Christmas time. This is a picture some 40, 50 years ago of some of my kids opening up their Christmas presents. Who has not experienced this sort of thing? I mean, everybody likes to come down, open up all the gifts that parents have for their children. Everybody likes this. Even adults like to open up the gifts. This passage in chapter 2 and 3 has to do with the gifts that God wants to give to his people. You with me? Because he references all these gifts to these churches and the people of God in them. Now the question is, who gets the gifts of the Lord God Almighty? Who are these gifts given to? And the answer is pretty easy. We read it over and over again. They are given to the one who conquers or overcomes. So if you overcome, God has a gift for you. If you're one of the conquerors, God has a gift for you. What does that word conquer or overcome mean? Simple. This is a Greek word. 
It's a Greek word, nikao. It sounds like it's a Japanese word, but it's not a Japanese word. It's a Greek word, and it means victor or conqueror or overcomer. And we all know this word. We all know this word because we buy the shoes of Nike. To the winners, to the victors, to the conquerors. Okay, you with me? God says, I've got some great gifts to give to those who are the overcomers. Those who wear the Nike shoes. Madonna wanted me to wear my red Nikes up here today, but I said I wouldn't do it. Now the question is, what is it that they overcome in order to get the gift? Now there are three things that I want to share with you that John seems to talk about. He doesn't talk about them here. You have to go back and do a little looking. Here's the first thing John talks about overcoming. He says it in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. The word of God abides in you, and you have overcome, you have Nike'd, you have been the conqueror of the evil one. Now, the evil one is the enemy of God. I don't care what you want to call this evil one. And this evil one is overcome basically by our faith in Jesus Christ. We come to Jesus Christ and we overcome the evil one. And God says, I have gifts. I have gifts for those who are the overcomers. They have overcome the evil one. There is a second thing that John talks about overcoming in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, back in 1 John, we spent a lot of time talking about the world. What is the world? And John talked about the world is what we see with our eyes. The world is our culture around us. The world is what we experience in our flesh, what we, the things that we want. It has to do with who we are and how we live. And he says all of these things in the world tend to be distractions to walking with God. But, but the one who overcomes the culture, the one who overcomes the culture, God has gifts for you. Oh, okay, this is starting to make sense that the Lord God has gifts for his people. Doesn't matter what generation they live in. Doesn't matter what period of time they live They are the overcomers. Now, there's one more thing that I want to throw into this because John also knows about another thing to overcome. And this other thing is called tribulation. Now, a lot of this book of Revelation is going to have to do with tribulation. Tribulation being trouble, problems, difficulties, Terrible difficulties. As a matter of fact, as we go through the book of Revelation, we're going to discover that there is a period of time that John refers to as the Great Tribulation. And it is Jesus who spoke about overcoming the tribulations of life. Listen to what John 16, 33, same author, quotes Jesus as saying. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. 
in the world you will have tribulation. Is there someone who's going to argue with that? In this culture in which we live, you're going to grow up and somewhere along the line there's trouble. You're all going to experience problems. Call them tribulation. But Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the tribulation. Everybody experiences the culture of the world. Everybody experiences the pressure of the evil one. Everybody experiences the trouble that the world brings us. But God said, I got great news for you. To the one who overcomes, I have some very special gifts. Now that being the case, who in the world would there be who would say, I don't want the gifts. I'm not interested in the gifts. I don't care about the gifts. Why would anybody ever say anything like that? When we all face the distractions of the world, when we all face an evil out there somewhere, when we all face trouble, who in the world would say, I don't care? Well, I'll show you a picture. This is one of my favorite pictures. Well, okay. Let, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it here. We can do this. Okay. The second thing he says to us is the one who has ears to hear this. All right? One who had ears, Revelation 2, verse 7, every single one of these churches, to the one who has an ear. Who doesn't have an ear? Who would not have an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say that you can become an overcomer? All right, now we're ready for the next picture here. Okay, certainly the hurting and the desperate are those who have ears. You think all those people that we're seeing living in tents in, um, in Syria or in Turkey today don't have ears to hear about the problems and the trouble and the difficulties in their life? You think they don't have ears? You think that people struggling all over the world, your neighbors or maybe yourself this morning, we don't have ears to hear well, I, I want to share a few stories with you this morning. These are personal stories. They come from lots of different people in a number of different backgrounds. But I want to share some personal stories with you. Here's the first one. This little lady on the left is Laura. She is from the Ukraine. She was born in a village out in the nowhere land of the Ukraine. Uh, she moved out of the village, got a little bit wild in her teenage years, moved to Kiev, and in Kiev, she got involved with the wrong people in her life. She witnessed a drug murder, was fearful for her death, got pregnant, not from a husband, and ended up crossing over with a number of other people into Hungary, and that's where we met her. We met Laura, who was running, who was afraid, who had a baby, who didn't know how to take care of the baby, whose life was a miserable mess. And she had ears to hear. And her life changed. All of it changed. And she became a different person. And God said, I have gifts for you who overcome. Does that make sense? This guy on the right, Simon, that's not his name, but that name will do for right now. Simon comes from a North African country. Simon is a Muslim. 
Simon shows up in the church where we were pastoring in Budapest. Simon is disturbed because he'd been arrested in his home country, put in jail. His parents had the wherewithal to get him out of jail and put him on a train and got him out of the country and into Hungary. The parents didn't even know where he went. He had a wife. He has a child. The wife is told to separate and divorce him because the fear of her parents that what would happen to them because of his problem. He loses his wife. He loses his child. He's discouraged. He's depressed. He's defeated. He ends up in a Red Cross refugee center. And on an Easter Sunday, he comes to faith in Jesus Christ and he defeats the evil one. And his life changes. His whole life changes. He spent his most recent part of his life living in Hungary with a Christian soccer team that goes from place to place sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. He is an advocate for the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody that's a Muslim, he'll talk to you at length. Something happened there. Somebody had ears to hear, and something changed in their life. Okay, here's a couple more. I know you're anxious to hear these. This is Henry. Henry is from Ghana. This is a great story. Henry, when he was about 14 years old, lost his father. His father was murdered. They were part of a tribal village, and his father was touched to be the chief of the village. His father didn't want to be the chief of the village. His father is killed. Henry has no mom that he knows of. Henry's grandmother gets him out of Ghana and sends him to Hungary, 14, 15 years old. He knows no one. He can't speak any English. He can't communicate with anybody. He shows up in Budapest, Hungary with nothing, a kid. He's discouraged. He comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Henry has continued to live out his faith. He's married now. I think he lives in Great Britain. He's doing really well. God said, look, if you overcome, have an ear to hear, I got great gifts for you. Henry heard. Here's another one. He's not from very far away. This is Ken. This is Ken being baptized in a swimming pool by Ron. Ken, I found in the New Mexico State Penitentiary in Santa Fe. I got linked up with Ken, who was a convicted murderer in prison for life. He said he didn't do it, but he's not getting out. He was discouraged. He was defeated. He was beaten down. And we got a little friends program going with people at the uh, high security, maximum security prison in Santa Fe. And, and I linked up, or somebody linked me up with Ken. And so for several years, Ken and I met together on a regular basis in prison. And finally, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And his, his worker said that, you know, this was so real in his life that he would let him out to come to my house so that we could baptize him. And he came to our house, and his worker, his parole worker, came with him, and we had a great day baptizing Ken. Ken had ears to hear. He was in trouble. His life was miserable. And God said, I got great gifts for you. You getting this message here? 
All right, we got some more here. This is Dasis. I've talked about Dasis for a long time. This is Dasis that we met in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. He came with the house that we rented. Dasis was maybe 20 when we met him, but Dasis was basically purchased when he was about 13 years old from a village way, way outside of Port-au-Prince. His parents were destitute, and they literally sold him into some kind of slavery to another Haitian who owned a big home in Port-au-Prince. We rented that home, and he came with it. And guess what? This is a kid who can't read, who never had a day's worth of school, who has no hope in this life, who can't do anything except go around and pick up things in somebody's house. That's it. But he found Christ. And he overcame the evil one. His life changed. He got involved in a church. And he realized God had gifts for him. Continued on in his faith. Amazing story. Amazing story. He had a lot of tribulation. A lot of trouble. This is Dragan and Suwada. They live in Serbia. Dragan was a policeman in Serbia. And that wasn't a really bad problem, except that he had married Suwada, who was a Bosnian Muslim. He was a Serbian Eastern Orthodox. They married. They had three children. And during the course of time that things got bad between Serbia and Bosnia-Herzegovina, which is where Suwada was from, the police in Serbia were told they were going to have to start to kill Bosnian Muslims. He was married to a Bosnian Muslim. He thought the best thing he could do is to flee, so he gathered his family up in Serbia, and they went across the border into Hungary, Hungary and we met him in Budapest, met the whole family. They showed up in the church one day. Nobody could speak any English. Nobody had any money. They were miserably destitute, horrible. Nobody would give them permission to live in Hungary. They couldn't get permission to go to Canada where they wanted to go. They were stuck. They were without hope. Dragan wanted no part of those people in that church that his wife would bring him to on Sunday mornings where they spoke English. Dragan once said, those people can't be real because they smile all the time. He was the one person I never wanted to meet in a dark alley. He is a tough-looking guy. The whole family came to Christ. I baptized them. They continued their faith. They got thrown out of the country. Hungary said, we don't want you. They went back to Serbia. They continued to live in Serbia. Dragan has cancer. His wife has a job. Sometimes she gets paid. Sometimes she doesn't. They just have raised up their oldest boy, and he just got a job on a cruise liner cruising around the world. He's going to help support the family. There's no hope for them. It's tough. It's miserable. But they're overcomers. They have overcome because they have ears to hear. One more. This is Biliana and Jena. They are from Croatia. Biliana and Jena are gypsies. They are Roma gypsies. Biliana and, Gyp- and, and Jena, they were chosen by their families to marry each other at age 15. Juliana, I mean, uh, Biliana said to us in a conversation when she met Jenna and they were forced to marry, she met him the first time and she said, let's get fun things straight. I hate you. 
And she, he said back to her, and I hate you. Great way to start a marriage together, isn't it? He's the pastor of a gypsy church in, in Croatia now. He and his wife and his children, they had ears to hear. She had no background in Christianity. He, no background in Christianity. She remembered a little song that she learned about God is on the telephone. And when her husband was beating her and beating her and beating her, just like her mother had beat her and beat her and beat her, she called out to a God that she didn't know anything about. And God found her. She had ears to hear. And the two of them now minister in gypsy villages in Croatia and in Serbia. They had ears to hear, and they became overcomers. And God said, I have gifts for you. Now, I went through all the gifts, and I listed all the gifts that we just read about in those verses that we read. There are kind of some strange statements there, and we're going to try to deal with them in just a moment, but I categorized the gifts. Now, I got four categories. You can go back to the initial outline now. I, I categorized the gifts. I got four categories. You can have six. There's nothing inspired about this. You can have eight categories. If you want two, you can have two categories, okay? But here's my four categories. First category of the gifts of God. The gifts that God has for those who are the overcomers. They are gifts of safety and security. What great gifts to people who are going through catastrophe. I don't care if it's a natural catastrophe. I don't care if it's a hurricane. I don't care if it's a firestorm. I don't care if it's a volcano. I don't care if it's a political catastrophe. All these people who are fleeing. It's about people who are being chased by other people under threat. There's no place for these people to hide. It doesn't matter whether they're homeless veterans in Los Angeles or they're the Syrian refugees that are trying to make their way into Europe. It doesn't matter. Do they have ears to hear? Because God has gifts of safety and security. We just read about some of those gifts. Here's another category, acceptance and approval. There are a lot of people who go through life totally not accepted. They are rejected. They're rejected by the people around them. They're rejected maybe because of their appearance. Maybe because they have a handicap. Maybe because they have basically the wrong ethnic ethnicity. They're rejected maybe because they've been subjected to some horrible divorce that's taken place in their life. Maybe they've been rejected at work. Maybe they failed at school. Maybe they just couldn't make it. Maybe it was the fact they found themselves outside the social structure. People all around us go through this kind of thing. And God says, i got gifts for you. The gift of acceptance and the gift of approval. Here's the third category, rest and peace. Can you imagine not being able to find enough food to feed your family? I can't even imagine that. Absolutely no place to rest. Absolutely no peace in life. You can't even sleep. There's no place to sleep that's safe. I saw a picture online this week of a Syrian refugee curled up inside the hood of a car. That was the only place they could curl up to try to be safe to sleep. 
God said, you got ears to hear? Because I got gifts for you who overcome. How about assurance and confidence? There are lots of people who have absolutely no resources. Because they have no resources, they're without hope. These people just don't all live overseas. They're in our neighborhoods. Maybe some of you here are like this. You have feel as though you're hopeless today. There's no way out of your situation. You've tried it. You've done it over and over, and you failed. And God said, if you have ears to hear, I've got a great gift. I have great gifts for you who overcome. John writes to a people who are about to go through tremendous tribulation. And he said, I want to remind you that God has a great gift for you if you will overcome. Now, here's the three choices that we have. And we might as well talk about this now because we have to get to this later. When do you get the gift? We like the idea of getting the gift. When do we get the gift? So there are some people say, well, you get the gift right now. There is a kingdom of God here and now that runs kind of parallel to the kingdom of God that will come in some future time. This is the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom that we live in, and the gifts come to you now. Maybe. There are others who say, you know, these are gifts that come in something called the millennial kingdom. You've all heard that word. Just hang on to it. Don't worry too much about it. There are some who read the book of Revelation. In Revelation 20, it says that there is going to be a time when Jesus will rule over the earth for a thousand years. That's when you get the gift. When you go through the millennial kingdom, you get the gift in the millennial kingdom. Okay? There's others who say, no, these are the gifts of heaven. You get these gifts when you die and you go to heaven. A lot of people say, well, you know, I don't really like the idea of waiting to die to get the gifts. You know, I, I don't know that this is really important when you get the gift. If you know God's going to give you the gift, is it important when you get it? If I know the gift is there, isn't that what it's all about? So here's what I want you to do. Let's go back to these outlines, and I want you to take the first church, the church at Ephesus, okay? And I want you to read this again. He that has an ear to the one who conquers, Revelation 2, 7. You get the gift to eat of the tree of life. Now, I listed for you as a reference, Revelation 22, 2. In the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, was the tree of life with 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And I want you to ask a question. What is that gift like? What category does that gift fit in? Now, you don't need to have a seminary degree to figure this out. Where does that fit? If God says, I have this for you, I'm going to give you a tree of life. It's going to produce a fruit that's going to take away all your problems. It's going to heal everything around you. Well, I think that maybe fits in the whole category of rest and peace. I could put that into that rest and peace category. So here's your homework assignment. You can go through this whole list and ask yourself some questions. Now, to help you, I wrote the questions on the outline. At the very bottom, after the seventh church, 
These are some questions to ask yourself with each one of these gifts. Okay? Here's the first question. Into which of the gift categories does this best fit? Second question. Do I know any person who really needs this gift? Third question. Could I pray for them? Fourth question. Could I share some encouragement with them? Fifth question, do I need to be reminded of this gift? And sixth, even though it says five another time, are these not the most remarkable gifts ever opened? You got the idea? So just to help you, let's go to the third group, Pergamum, on the outline. He that has an ear, let him hear, the one that overcomes. These are the gifts, the hidden manna. And I referenced that for you. You all know what manna is. It was bread from heaven, right? God's going to give you bread to eat from heaven. And a white stone with your name on it. What does a white stone mean? What does it mean when you, when you get a white stone? What is that? You what? You're voted in, right? If you get a black ball, you're voted out. But God said, I got a gift for you. I'm voting you in. And you got a new name. Wow. Where does that belong? What category does that belong in? Well, that seems to belong in the category of acceptance, right? So isn't this great fun? You can get to do this all week. It's Labor Day tomorrow. You don't have anything to do. Just go through those seven things and ask yourself those six questions. God said, I have this for my people. I have great, wonderful gifts for you. Okay, one more slide. All right. This is the greatest gift I ever got in my life. This is a 1955 Chevrolet convertible Carl and Gray. When I turned 17, I got a full-ride scholarship to college, my parents had saved the money to pay for my college education, a gracious thing, so they went out and bought me this gift. I thought I died and went to heaven. Oh, what a gift. What a fantastic gift. It was the primo of the primo, the top of the top. I drove it. I loved this car. I and my new wife drove this car. We went off to college together in this car. This was the most fantastic gift anybody could ever give. You want to know what happened to it? Well, after a couple years, one afternoon with my wife at my side, we coasted, because it wouldn't run, we coasted into a used car lot in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And we swapped the car for a used Volkswagen. <laughs> so much for the most fantastic gift on earth. Now I'll tell you, that's where all the gifts on earth are going. God said, I have some wonderful, marvelous gifts for you. If you have an ear to hear, and if you be an overcomer, overcome the world system. You don't have to live in that. Overcome the evil that's in this world by believing on Jesus and walking in the light of God. 
overcome the tribulation, the trouble, because I have gifts that will take care of all these things. They're the greatest gifts that we could ever have. Revelation chapter 2 and 3. New point of view. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for a reminder in this uh, book that is your word, a book that's really convoluted in many ways and difficult to understand. Help us to see the good things that you have for us day by day. Help us to see the things that people around us need to hear. Give us a voice to speak to those who may have ears to hear. And we thank you for what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.